Hello, welcome back to Being Black with Camille Smith. And today we're welcoming a very important guest and talking about a very important topic. Today, we're gonna to be talking to my mom, Hattie Smith. She's a seasoned breast cancer advocate leader with a proven record of accomplishments in project management, decision-making, technology, and more. She earned her Bachelor of Arts from Thomas Edison State University in 2012. Outside of her work, she has contributed to her community as a breast cancer advocate volunteer and a corporate fundraising director for a nonprofit organization that served underserved and underprivileged African-American women and men where she served between 2000 and 2011. My mom is the mother of three beautiful girls, Tanisha, Jasmine, and myself, and married to her husband, Gary, which she says is her rock and has been her inspiration and by her side through it all. I'm really excited to be talking to my mom today. Initially, when I started the podcast, I would have never thought to bring on a family member, let alone, you know, one of my parents, but I think that this is the perfect opportunity to do so. So mom, without further ado, what does being Black mean to you? Hello, Camille. First, I want to say thank you so much for having me. I'm honored to be here with you. What does Black mean to me? I've thought about that since you asked me the other day. And quite honestly, um, there's just one word that comes to my mind, and that's unique. Um, I never had an issue being Black from the time I was a young girl. Um, I've always been very confident in myself and what I have to offer to others. So being Black is being unique. And when did you first figure out you're a Black? Was there ever a point in your childhood that you might have realized that you were different or that you were unique from other people? Honestly, um, I give that some thought too. We, I actually grew up in a predominantly white area um, where I grew up and where I went to school. So I really wasn't treated any differently as a child. So I didn't have an issue with being a different color. Now, as I grew up and went into, I want to say high school, maybe there were a few, you know, young people that said things to me that had to do with my color. But to be quite honest with you, I just ignored them. I didn't really pay them any attention. I didn't let them get me down. And I just went on about my business. So talk a little bit more about growing up in your area. So you grew up in a predominantly white area, which of course I did as well. Um, And talk about, you know, were there any instances within high school that you can really remember? Or was there anything different as you actually started into the workforce as a Black woman? Um, In central New Jersey, which is where I grew up, um, as a child, I, I can't recall any major issues, right, being Black, although we were the only Black family in the area. Um, so as a child, it really wasn't a big deal. And then, of course, I went into middle school and then high school. In high school, there were a few other um, African-American students that I got to know because I certainly didn't have any of those in elementary school or middle school. So um, it was interesting, but they came from a different background than me too. So they were somewhat different, if you will. But um, I really didn't, I guess, get that experience of being different, if you will, until I went into the workforce because it was at that time then 
you met, I met rather more African-American people and they shared their stories about, you know, if you're black, you have to be 110%, not a hundred like other ethnicities, right? And of course I didn't know what that meant because I never really felt that I had to do that in my life. But going into corporate America, I, as I got to know things more, I kind of did observe those kind of things. Mm-hmm. And do you have any advice for your younger self? My advice to my younger self would be get a good education early on. Um, as you mentioned, I didn't get my bachelor's degree till the 2012. And by that time I was an adult with a family, etc. So if I had an opportunity to go back, I would definitely graduate from high school and go right into college. Okay. Well, do you think you would do the same degree or you would think about other stuff? Oh my gosh. Um, I don't know if I would do the same degree. <laughs> I don't know. Um, well, thank you for answering those initial questions. Um, and we're going to segue into our actual conversation today. So as you all know, or if you don't know, it is Breast Cancer Awareness Month. Um, I think cancer in general affects everybody, whether that be directly or indirectly. Um, but breast cancer, right. I think, affects me and my family very directly, given that my mom is a two-time breast cancer survivor, um, both during my lifetime. The first time I was much younger, so I don't really have, I do have one memory of it, but I didn't exactly know what was going on. Um, And then of course, the second time I was actually in high school, so I had a very good grasp of, you know, what breast cancer was, um, how that could be scary. And I think it would just be really positive because breast cancer does impact black women much more um, in general, yes. we have worse outcomes normally as well. So I think that this would be a really, really good conversation to have with you. Um, so I just want you to give, you know, the listeners an overview of your journey, um, talk about, you know, the first time that you were diagnosed and then, uh, the second time as well. Okay. Well, I was diagnosed, uh, 16 years ago. Um, I was doing my regular mammograms. I want to say from the time I was 40 years old. And um, by the time I was 49, I had went for my regular mammogram and the radiologist felt that there were some calcifications in the tissue. And he recommended that I go see a breast surgeon. I really wasn't concerned at the time because I was already supporting a nonprofit organization that actually supported breast cancer survivors. So I had heard a lot about the disease and I had heard that term calcifications before, but I didn't really know a whole lot about it, right? So I went to the breast surgeon and they did a biopsy and it did come back breast cancer. However, I decided because I was working at the time to go get a second opinion. And now that I've been through the journey twice, that's my mantra today, to know your body and to get a second opinion. And I say that because when I went to get the second opinion, although those doctors said that I did have breast cancer, they said to me that it was not at the stage that I was told. And that being the case, that meant if I hadn't gone for a second opinion and just went with what the first doctor shared, I would have gotten treatment that I didn't need. 
So my message today, if nobody hears anything that I say, if they only hear one thing or remember one thing is to know your body. And if you ever get diagnosed with any type of disease, just get a second opinion because there are mistakes made. And in my case, they actually told me later that scar tissue is sometimes misdiagnosed for breast cancer tissue. And that's what happened in my case. So I was very grateful and thankful that I was able to get a second opinion. And that doctor shared with me that, yes, you have it, but it's not at the stage that you were indicated. So you're going to get the treatment that you need, but not as aggressive as they had indicated, which was awesome news. So that was the first time around. And that was when I was six. Yeah. Maybe. I was very young. I distinctly remember um, dad had said that you had to go to Aunt Sylvia's for a week or two. Um, and for people that know me personally, I'm a very, uh, I'll say touchy person. And it was, my, I was, I was a very touchy child. I love hugs. Um, and I distinctly remember really, really missing my mom and she came home and it's so weird. I feel like as I grow older, the, you never know what people will remember. Mm -hmm. Um, and I think the fact that like, this is so like ingrained in, like, I can remember where I was in the house. I can remember you coming up the stairs. Um, and of course I hadn't seen you in a long time. So I ran upstairs and I went to hug you. Um, and you had kind of like stopped me. You hadn't like pushed me, but you kind of like stopped me from hugging you. And I was like, Uh I haven't seen you in like a week and a half, two weeks. Why would, why would you not hug me? Right. Um, and I remember being so upset about it, but then of course dad being like, Oh, like, you know, mom needs to lay down. Like, you know, chill out with that. Like, don't do that. But for me, I was like, oh my goodness, like, did I do something wrong? Um, and it right. wasn't until I was a little bit older, well, not even a little mm-hmm. bit, it wasn't until I was older that you explained to me like, oh, that's what, what was happening. Like you couldn't hug me because, you know, I had had surgery and I was like, oh, right. okay. Um, so as like a six-year-old or seven-year-old or however old I was, I didn't fully understand the concept of what was going on. But your second time being re-diagnosed, you can talk a little bit about that. I had a better grasp. Right. Right. So the second time around, unfortunately, it was a totally different type of breast cancer. It was on the other side. um, And it was a more aggressive type. So when I was given that diagnosis, and interesting enough, I had already told my doctors that something was going on on the left side. I didn't know what it was. I didn't feel any lumps or bumps. And they didn't either. But I, de- I definitely felt something was not quite right. And this went on, I'm going to tell you, probably for at least a year or two. Nobody, I mean, I, they did do the ultrasounds. They did do, um, you, know, you know, I continued to get the mammograms and nothing showed up. So what I decided to do is actually start going to see, to get a mammogram every six months instead of every year. And I started doing that for a good year and a half, I'll say. And so I remember distinctly, it was in December of 2015 that I had was going for my second, I'm sorry, for my six month checkup. Radiologists gave me the information at that time and said, oh, everything looks good. See you in six months. And um, generally after you get a mammogram, they'll send you a letter in the mail indicating, hey, you were here and this is the results. And for some reason, when I got that letter in the mail and read it, I'm not sure why, although I thank the Lord I did it. I laid down and I did a self-exam. 
And when I did that, I felt the lump in my left side. And I really said to myself, oh, this, this it's got to be my imagination. This, this can't be. I just had a mammogram a couple of weeks ago. But I didn't say anything. I, you know, laid down and went to sleep, woke up in the morning, did another self-exam. And sure enough, I felt lump. So I didn't hesitate. I went and I called my doctor and she immediately got me into her office. And at that time, she was at a facility that could actually do a biopsy on the spot. So she literally ran across the hallway to get permission and authority to do this procedure only because of my history. And uh, three days later, she called me and said, you have breast cancer. I need to talk to you right away. So um, that was a shocker, especially the type it was. It's called, it was called triple negative breast cancer. And if anybody knows anything about breast cancers, that's one that you do not want to hear about. But again, I'm thankful to the Lord that um, I trust in him and, and that, he was will, that he was right there by my side every step of the way. So I actually had to get chemotherapy this time, and they recommended that to shrink the tumor. After that healed from that, they recommended radiation. And after I healed from the radiation, I actually had a, a, a left mastectomy. So I, I may have it out of that order. It was definitely chemo first. Yes, it was chemotherapy first. Then it was surgery. Then it was radiation. And after all that healing took place, then I had a um, reconstruction surgery. Right. So the whole year of 2016, was, which was actually 11 years later from the first diagnosis, which was again, a different type of breast cancer. Um, I went through that again. Yeah, 2016 was a, was a rough year. Um, yes. So of course the first time I was six or seven, this time I was 17, 16 or 17, I guess. Right. Um, but I distinctly remember it was, I was in high school, my senior year, and it was right after midterms. Um, mm -hmm. you had told me, and I remember, and I, I'm not a parent, so I'll never fully understand it until I, if I decide to have a child or if I decide to go that route. But I remember that you, you told me that you knew before and you wanted to wait because you didn't want to distract me during midterms. And I just broke down and cried and was like, my midterms don't matter. Like, what are you talking about? Um, but how, how did you, like, can you, can you reminisce, I guess, on like the feelings, if you're okay with telling, you know, you know, me and Jasmine and Aunt Sylvia, who of course was like right there with you. And of course, dad, like, how was that? Because I feel like, as you mentioned during your story, it was probably very surreal, especially given it wasn't the same type and right. triple negative a lot of doctors and scientists don't really know too much about it, which is why you don't really want to hear about it. A lot of the exactly. other types of breast cancer, they have uh, protocols in, in place right. and they know how to treat it, but triple negative, there's really no, they're still working on protocol. <laughs> yeah. It's, there's no real set protocol. Yeah. Um, yeah. So talk about how, you know, telling, you know, your loved ones that this was the case again in the beginning mm -hmm. of 2016. Well, um, for your father, my husband, my rock, um, he, he's always been very encouraging, period, regardless of what I've faced in my life with him. Um, and he always, 
felt like, oh, you're going to be all right. You're going to be all right. And, and I think that's good to a certain extent, but you really don't know. You don't just don't know what's going to happen. But because he was so encouraging, I think that helped me be able to tell my girls, you and Jasmine, and of course, Tanisha, and then um, my sister, you mentioned her name, Sylvia, is, is my best friend. And she took care of me. She was my caregiver when the first go round, because you guys were so young, we didn't want to tell you what was going on. So that's why we said, well, I'm not feeling that well. And your aunt Sylvia is going to care for me for a week or two, you know, till I get better. And, you know, so and that worked out well. Um, so, yeah. So, well, this time around, you know, having to tell her who like, you know, it wasn't easy because everybody's different how they, when they hear news like that, you know, and what I did not want this time, which was very different than the first time, was anybody who was going to be worried in the sense of uh, not so much negative, but I didn't want any type of negativity around me. I, I only wanted positiveness around me. And that meant people and attitudes, et cetera. So I kind of told people that right at the beginning, because <laughs> sometimes when people hear things that happen to you, you know, they want to start crying or they want to, oh my gosh, and I didn't want any of that, you know? And, I, and again, I have a very strong faith, as you know, and I continue to trust in the Lord. And he, I believe, even to this day, he was right there with me every time I had to go through a treatment. Mm -hmm. And that helped me get through it. Mm -hmm. So as a two-time breast cancer survivor, was it the fact that, you know, you had gone through it, that you now, of course, believe that advocacy work is so important? Or I, I know, you know, since you're my mom, you were already, already doing that prior to this happening. So like, why do you think advocacy work, especially for Black women, is so important as it relates to breast cancer? Well, I think it's important because unfortunately, um, just based on our ethnicity and our culture, you know, things have happened to us in the past, you know, regarding clinical trials. So unfortunately, a lot of people just don't trust that kind of thing. A lot of people don't trust doctors for whatever reason. Um, and, and so, so, so my feeling is if you tell your story, which is what I really do when I go to different events and whatnot, and people call me now because they know I've been through the journey twice, if they've been diagnosed or if somebody in their family has been diagnosed, so I can at least share with them, you know, some steps to take. Because sometimes people don't even realize that you can even get a second opinion, for example. I remember being in a... Um, office one day, I was waiting for a test, I believe. And there was a lot of women in there. And I started talking to another young lady that was there. And somehow I asked her about, did she get a second opinion? And then I remember an older lady overhearing us and she interjected saying she didn't even know that you could do that. So, so it's from those kind of things that I've seen and learned and heard about that I just decided, you know what, I'm going to do this. You know, if people want to hear what I have to say, I'll be their advocate. Or if, if I need to guide them, you know, I'll do it for them. So I really call myself a breast cancer um, advocate leader. And I basically do advocacy and advisory if people are interested. 
So do you have, you know, any advice? I know your mantra, of course, is getting a second opinion, but for those that are going through their current journey or know someone, you know, directly that's going through it, what advice do you have to them? Well, I always feel that it's important to ask a lot of questions, right? Don't feel that any question is like a silly question, especially when it's regarding your own body. There are times doctors will talk a lot and you won't really understand what they're saying. So you need to either ask questions or get someone to be there by your side who they can write questions or ask questions and write notes. Mm -hmm. That's really a critical thing, to be honest with you. I mean, everybody doesn't have a spouse, but uh, hopefully you have a parent or a sibling or a child even that can go with you and listen. Because when it's your body that they're talking about, you don't really hear everything they say. And you can go home and you'll be like, oh my gosh, what did they say? Or did they say this? And I remember the first time around, Gary, my, my husband was with me and he's a note taker anyway, but he had a lot of things down there that I didn't hear her say, but he had them because he was writing, you know? So those are the suggestions that I would have if anybody's going through it now. And I'm also, you know, like I said, I'm willing to help anybody who wants to talk with me so they could reach out to me as well. So if a listener wants to join your fight, you know, to help other people, to help um, other breast cancer survivors or breast cancer or people that are going through their journeys currently, what can they do? Um, I know, of course, you have HITS if you want to talk more about that too, but what else can they do? Well, HITS is basically something that came out of my second journey after I was fully um gone through all the treatments, gone through all the surgeries and, and decided that I was actually going to retire after 33 years of working in corporate America. I just was praying one day and felt like, okay, Lord, I've learned a lot of information through this second journey. What do you want me to do with all this knowledge that I have? And, um, I like clothing and I know a lot of people like clothing. I also like rhinestones and I just, it just came to me, you know, create some inspirational t-shirts. And so what I did is I gave that some thought and I came up with words that I felt were important to have when you're going through any type of journey. My, my favorite is strength, right? But I was able to take one of the letters and use a different color rhinestone so it looks like a, a pink ribbon, right? So that's the piece that when you look at these shirts, when you're wearing one or if somebody else is wearing one, you're gonna look at it and you're gonna see the word and you're also gonna see that pink ribbon. And my hope is that you're gonna either say, hmm, it's time for my mammogram or, oh my gosh, I have to go get my mammogram. And then I took it a step further based on my faith and added a scripture that went along with that word. And a lot of times when people see these shirts, I've been told by people that have purchased the shirts, you know, people have stopped them and asked them, oh my gosh, where did you get that? Or what's that scripture? Or, you know, that kind of thing, which is good. And that was really my whole mission behind hits. What other things people can do again is um, if you know somebody that's going through the journey, if you haven't been through the journey, you really I mean, of course you can encourage them to the best of your ability, but I would just simply refer them to somebody who's been there, right? Um, and, and 
really go from there. I mean, there's a lot of organizations out there that are trying to help people that have been diagnosed, American Cancer Society. I'm supporting a new one that just was launched not long ago called Move Over Breast Cancer. Um, she's actually going around literally driving to, to patients' houses that need help, um, giving them free hats or scarves or wigs or whatever the case is. I'm also supporting another organization called Styletainment, who her ultimate goal is to have a home, a literal home for homeless people that are going through breast cancer. Mm -hmm. So there's just, you know, like, again, there's just, I personally wanna help those organizations that I can see with my own eyes that they're doing something positive with the funding that's being raised. And those two are the ones that I'm supporting right now. But I'm going to wrap up this episode. Mom, I, I hope that you already know, but you mean so much to me. Um, and it was very, very difficult in high school to see you go through that because I think whenever, whenever anyone meets you, I was actually talking about you earlier today, whenever I smile, um, my friend was like, oh, like nobody can tell you that you're not Hattie's daughter. Like that's y'all have the same face. I'm like, we do. Okay. Like that's fine. Um, but I, I look up to you so, so much and it's just very cool to have a mom that cares about me so much that is so incredibly strong herself and has shown that throughout the journeys of her life. Um, and then not only, you know, that you decide to help other people in your spare time for fun, um, even while you were in corporate America, like that's people always say like, oh, I have the best mom ever, but like I have a resume. So if there was ever a competition, I think <laughs> you're top five, um, at Thank least. You. So I really appreciate you taking the time to talk with me today. Um, I will have my mom's Instagram with hits. Um, if you want to purchase a t-shirt or if you want to help her with any of her initiatives as it relates to breast cancer here again, thank you so much for tuning in and tune in next time for another being black episode. Bye. Thank you. Hey.